0: This is one giant podcast, your source for all things, New York football giants. Here are your hosts, Adam Arnbrecht and Andy Makowitz. And with that, I am Adam Arnbrecht. That is Andy Makowitz, And this is of course the one giant podcast. Welcome back, sir.
1: Welcome back with some one giant update for you regarding Eli
0: Manning. You better believe it. Giants news and notes. So uh, it, it comes down official. I guess, you know, it's interesting because I kind of, maybe in my own mind, I thought that Eli was going to consider the idea of playing somewhere else. I even, when, when Merrick came out and said, we would welcome him back. You know, I know that the backup role isn't something he was looking to do, but I still kind of thought that maybe it wasn't quite over for Eli Manning. But it comes out that uh, as of tomorrow, there'll be the official announcement that he'll make retiring after 16 NFL seasons. Annie, your thoughts on what has been our our starting quarterback for most of our adult lives?
1: It, it seems fitting. The timing seems fitting. You know, being a native New Yorker and growing up and, and idolizing people like Eli Manning and idolizing people like Derek Jeter that the announcement happens the same week that Derek Jeter gets uh, inducted into the hall of fame. It's kind of wrapping up the nineties and the two thousands in a nice little bow uh, for someone like me.
0: Yeah. You know what? It's a shame too, because I really respect Derek Jeter, but once he didn't get 100% of the votes, it's tainted for me personally. <laughs> I don't even know if I were him, I would, I would gracefully bow out and not accept the, the accomplishment.
1: Oh man, you know, it, and this is a, a giant podcast, but I will say the all the different hysteria and all the stuff going on about not going in unanimous, and that you know I thought was ridiculous, but then all of the justifications behind why he wasn't unanimous just ended up trumping <laughs> all of that, right, like it, And so you know, we'll t- we'll talk about Eli Manning a little bit more in detail, but what what a storied career and and what a great giant. I think the best way to sum it up, and and I will. Um, probably screw this up in some regard and not say it as well as John Mara did, but John Mara basically came out and said, it meant so much to Eli Manning to be the quarterback of the New York Giants, but it meant even more to the Giants to have Eli Manning as their quarterback. And I think that's the, that was like the perfect way that gave me the little goosebump feels of like, yes, like he loved the Giants almost as much as we loved him being the Giants quarterback.
0: Yeah, man. And when, and you go back to thinking about the Tom Coughlin regime and turning over that leaf for the franchise. You know, that's really what Eli Manning represented. And you know, listen, in a league when players come and go and when a lot of things can happen off the field, right, and you cannot always necessarily you have to try to separate between loving what the player does for you on the field and maybe what he is as a person off of it. I, I think that there was, you know, no better as there's a lot of the statements that we got, said, so I think Tom Coughlin alluded to this too, is just class personified on and off the field. And uh, it's one of those things. I hope that most of the fan base looks at it as how much Eli Manning should mean to you as a quarterback in the NFL, how hard it is for franchises to find their next the next quarterback of the future we think we have him in Daniel Jones but it's not easy to come by franchise quarterbacks and that's exactly what we had in Eli Manning gave us two Super Bowls as we know so uh you know bitter kind of bittersweet for me man it was, it, it, I'm happy I'm happy with where the organization is going now and that's what we're going to get into but uh I was again I was kind of hoping that uh, he was just going to say you know what maybe I'll just hang out and just be on the sidelines <laughs> maybe I'll just <laughs> I'll just be a backup and just kind of shoot the breeze so I'll be curious to see. They said that he'll probably get uh, inducted into the Ring of Honor sooner than later. So I would expect that to be something that happens uh, in this upcoming season. So that'll be an immediate thing for him. That'll be nice for the fan base as well. And I'll be curious to see if he has any involvement in the organization. It doesn't sound like it. I think he's going to enjoy retirement and enjoy spending time with his family. But uh, just nothing but a big thank you on my end. That's all I know
1: yeah and and for me, I would not have begrudged Eli Manning if he wanted to go play somewhere else you know selfishly yeah. it 's exciting to think he spent his entire career with the New York Giants. He only wanted to be a giant, and you have this thing in the back of your mind like the giants are everything to him. You know if he decided he wanted to go play for Tampa Bay or Chicago or or any other team that he thought he could you know, for, you know lo- further his career and, and play a little bit longer. Like, you can't begrudge a guy for wanting to play in the NFL if he still, if he still can do it. But, you know, it, it, this does seem like a, a nice, neat way for the Giants to be able to transition from Eli Manning to Daniel Jones. You know, Eli got the proper send-off at home winning against the Dolphins. And mm-hmm. Everyone kind of felt like that was the end of the road and, and celebrated him accordingly. And as you said before, the, the most amazing thing about this is it is so hard to transition from a franchise quarterback and have a potential franchise quarterback of the future. I mean, look at how it all played out uh, under McAdoo with, with benching Eli for Geno Smith. That was an abject failure. Right. right. And, and you look at other situations where how contentious it got with Aaron Rodgers and Brett Favre, you look at what happened to Jimmy Garoppolo in new England because Tom Brady still wanted to play till he's 45. You don't really get this night, nice, neat kind of break and transition. And it looks like, you know, cross our fingers that the Giants may have been able to accomplish that while still celebrating their iconic franchise quarterback. <laughs>
0: well, I was gonna say too, it's also rare that you get a franchise in an organization that kind of gives you a little taste of both, where we, where we bungle right, our way right. through it the first time around and then go, I want going to take a couple of years, we're gonna reset this thing. <laughs> and, and you know, and oddly enough, if you know, things could have gone differently a couple of years ago. If this was happening two, three years ago, Eli Manning does go somewhere else and he does continue his career. Uh, and you think about Peyton Manning when he's at the end of his career, I think a big factor is that he had only won that one Super Bowl, felt like he wanted to get that second one. Uh, same kind of thing. I think if Eli Manning didn't have two trophies, on his mantle if he didn't have two Super Bowl MVP trophies on his mantle it may have been harder for him to step away but I think he was you'd like to think that he was able to step back look at his career and say all right I've done a lot right I accomplished a lot of those goals that an NFL quarterback wants to achieve so listen man and like you say we, we hopefully have what we want here in the next there's been a lot of ugly transitions and we're gonna we're gonna see in a couple of weeks a week and a half now a little bit less uh you know the quarterback that was turned away from New England now playing in a Super Bowl of his own so uh, listen like you said we're going to get into Eli's career more at some point and just kind of you know wax poetic and and talk about some of the best runs that he had as the starting quarterback for the New York Football Giants but in the meantime the new regime the new leaf that has been turned over continues to grow here in this offseason and we take a look at Joe Judge, this staff, and some new news and notes in and around.
1: Yeah, Adam, when you look at it, uh, some some new names, some new faces, uh, but ones with some seasoned experience. Obviously, we mentioned Jason Garrett uh, on the last podcast. We talked about Burton Burns at, at running back, uh, running back coach, but uh, Burton recently, Burns at
0: running back, sixty-seven years old. He's yeah, could you hot.
1: imagine? He's <laughs> he's going to be backing up uh, Saquon Barkley. He probably couldn't do any worse than Jonathan Stewart did doing that. So, um, you know, but what we've heard recently is former Cleveland Browns head coach Freddie Kitchens will be joining the staff, and uh, I think that that's a really smart hire. And while it didn't work out as him as the head coach of the Cleveland Browns, uh, you know, he got that title and he got that promotion for a reason. He was kind of the running backs coach. Then he moved into the offensive coordinator and all the players loved him. Baker Mayfield started flourishing underneath him. So having another strong offensive-minded coach in the building is nothing but a positive for me.
0: Yeah. And, you know, you think about his situation in Cleveland, kind of a product of who the quarterback was that gets you elevated to this position. It's Cleveland where they seem to make a lot of mistakes in those areas. So bringing him in, I think, to your point, you know, this is a guy who probably wants to rehabilitate his reputation and try to do it in a quick, you know, in a quick manner because, he, you know, he's not going to get touched for a head coaching job, certainly even an offensive coordinator job is probably going to be difficult for him to get a chance at. So now underneath Joe Judge and on this staff, you're assisting Jason Garrett in some form or fashion. You're going to get a head coach for as ugly as it may have been in Cleveland this past season has head coaching experience. And now he comes in, it is a good offensive mind and you feel like in this room now you're starting to get a lot of knowledge, a lot of experience that should be able to help this offense grow in the right direction. Uh, You know, additionally, On the offensive side of the ball, offensive line coach now reportedly coming out that the Giants are going to be closing in and signing the deal. So all but confirmed, I think at this point, Colombo, the offensive line coach, as you may know from Dallas, coming over following Jason Garrett to the New York Football Giants staff. Uh, You know your your thoughts on him. I know that in Dallas you're talking about an offensive line that is littered with talent, but I do think that you can also make the case that what what they had there was someone who was able to get the best out of all these players, right?
1: Yeah, I I mean, how could you not like this? Uh, He's had success, you know, with the talent that he had in Dallas. But at the same time, talent isn't everything, right? There has to be the element of coaching. There are teams that are super talented that can't put it together and perform together as a collective unit and be successful. You know, under Jason Garrett, having that consistency the offense and the offensive line was the one thing that you kind of just put a check mark next to for Dallas. And all the other kind of issues, you know, reared their ugly heads in terms of them not being where they wanted to be. To me, I I like this consistency. Jason Garrett is familiar with Colombo. Colombo is respected. He was a respected player. He turned into a respected coach. I I give nothing but a thumbs up to, to, you know, Joe Judge for kind of putting this stuff together the way that he has.
0: Yeah. And, you know, one of the other notes that I want to kind of back up on, we, we had talked about Jason Garrett on the last podcast. A lot of what I was seeing on social media or in and around some of these reports that are getting talked about is a negative about hiring Jason Garrett. And maybe this is more fan-based concern, I think, but I want to get your take on it that hiring Jason Garrett can be a detriment because comes in, has a good season, Gets a, gets a head coach opportunity next year, and that's to the detriment of Daniel Jones and uh, you know, his, his growth because then he'll be moving into another offensive system in his third season. I want to get your take on it because I, I have a pretty quick note on it, but I want to see if you line up with me.
1: <laughs> Adam, I saw the same things you did, mm-hmm. and I just smirked because how ridiculous are people? I mean, I know, that, I know that there's Twitter trolls out there. I know that people just like sometimes hearing their own voice or, or getting a rise out of people but you're telling me that we'd be frustrated if the offense flourishes under Jason Garrett and he leaves, right? Like you're telling me, so Daniel Jones has success. The offense has success. We're putting up more than 17 points a game and we're upset because that means that we're going to lose our coordinator. We want to have success. We want to start building a culture of winning. So if that means that Jason Garrett's only here for a year, so be it. I, I don't understand. You want the best talent, Evaluators and the best people coaching your team at all costs. And so, yeah. if he leaves in a year, mm-hmm. there'll be another head coach that got fired that we could bring in that maybe has a similar system. Daniel Jones will be established, or we promote from within. And, you know, we have all these guys on our staff. To me, it's absolutely ridiculous.
0: Well, that that last little piece that you mentioned there is where my mind immediately went. Jason Garrett comes in. You see, that they're hiring in some of these other parts and pieces. To me, you look at it as, yeah, Jason Garrett ends up getting a head coaching job because of how well our offense looked. That's, first of all, a win for us. It's a win for Jason Garrett. And then you turn around and say, who's on our staff now that's running the same system, that was learning the same system, and may bring in a couple of wrinkles of their own, which isn't a negative thing. And they go ahead and get promoted from within. They get a chance to run the offense for a year, you know, a year or two and see how they develop. And, you know, not for nothing, I mean, Freddie Kitchens, a guy who is going to have a role on this staff theoretically he could end up getting promoted to offensive coordinator next year if Jason Garrett were to lead and continue to grow Daniel Jones in that system you see where it goes from there but this is kind of those uh, to me it's like champagne problems right you just got you just got a guy with over a decade of head coaching experience who, who was leading his offense to consistently high rankings year in and year out and you're like yeah but what if he, you know, but what if he leaves?
1: Adam, let's just grab a bum off the street that has no experience and and no motivation to be – a head coach. Let's just get a guy that's complacent being as mediocre as humanly possible, right? I know.
0: I, yeah, I know. So I, <laughs> listen, these, these are the problems that you run into when you're, when you're over invested in, in, in hearing what the fan base is talking about on it, a week to week, day to day.
1: Adam, it reminds me of, if you're a fan of any college sport, be it football or basketball, it sounds like one of those fans that says, well, I, I don't want him to do too well because then he's going to declare for the draft and he's going to leave early and I won't get another year.
0: <laughs> right, right. You're like,
1: what are you talking about? You want them to be the best that they can be. You want them to be successful. It means the team is successful. Like anytime I hear that, I cringe. They're like, he's almost too good. We're going to lose him. You're like, you can't think about oh. hypotheticals, you know?
0: I hope that he does really well, but like he's not talented enough for us to win the national championship. Do you know what I mean? Where like, he feels <laughs> like he just hasn't proven it, so he comes back the next year. And then, you know, not doesn't get injured, obviously. I wouldn't right. want that, but I'm just saying, from a it's, fan perspective, it's so
1: ridiculous. And so, as you said before, we're, we're hiring a lot of experienced coordinators, former head coaches. You know, we talk about Brett Bielema joining the staff. Yep. He was... The head coach at uh, the University of Wisconsin then the head coach at Arkansas, left Arkansas because nobody can beat Nick Saban in the SEC, (laughs) uh, except apparently Joe Burrow and LSU and Ed Ogeron. But, uh, you know, moved over to be one of the special assistants to Bill Belichick. Bill Belichick Mm -hmm. said, I don't have a role for you. We'll figure out a role because you're a good enough coach. Uh, Then I believe became the defensive line coach last year worked very closely with with Joe Judge. Joe Judge has this familiarity, bringing another experienced leader into this group. You know, Joe Judge identifies and says, hey, listen, I don't have the most experience in the world. I don't have any head coaching experience. Let's get guys that have run programs, run NFL franchises and teams. Let's put them all together and let me learn from them while I shape this team
0: into what I want it to be. And can you ask for anything more? right? No, exactly. A hundred percent, man. It just, it feels like Joe judge in a, you know, I don't want to whatever it is count my chickens before they roost or crack an egg before I eat an omelet. I don't know how those sayings go, but it just feels like they're doing things the right way, right? He's being sound and logical about his approach to building the staff. He's not going with, like you said, you know, he's not taking Necessarily, some low entry level guys across the board, and just saying, I I knew all these guys. I want them on my staff. It seems like he has certainly a level of self awareness of I have confidence in what I can do, but it's only fool's it's a fool's errand to not surround myself with as much knowledge and experience at the NFL level as humanly possible. Uh, You know, another quick one that was noted here was the. excuse me for the secondary Jerome Henderson who served uh, on Atlanta staff there as a secondary coach and defensive passing game coordinator he was let go there at the end of the year and he uh, had coached for four seasons in Dallas with Jason Garrett so you know you think about DeAndre Baker and you think about Sam Beal, Ballantyne, even Love out there on the backside even, even Peppers for that matter You know, all this young talent and certainly maybe we'll bring in another component there in the draft and now you're bringing in someone who one has experience in that area, and then also has a connection with Jason Garrett. So you are going to feel like you're getting some level of, of continuity, and familiarity, even though you know in the NFL a lot of these paths overlap and you know and cross with one another. But that just feels like another solid hire to bring into the room and help build up with this with the secondary as well. You know, the only other ones that uh, are interesting to me that haven't been talked, they've been mentioned here. But we haven't heard anything uh, concrete come forward about it. I feel like this is more, I want to say fan-driven speculation because I've seen it in news reports. But that would be Antonio Pierce and uh, Pepper Johnson. You know, this is the Giants as an organization, and I'm sure the fan base feels strongly about both of these players. Uh, You know, Antonio Pierce coaching down there underneath uh, Herm Edwards. So you know that he's been getting some good experience uh, on the Arizona State staff. But have you heard anything about that? And obviously, I think we mentioned this once before in the podcast. I would love to see Antonio Pierce come in and work with the the linebacking group and on this defense in some way. Uh, and then obviously Pepper Johnson, a, a fan favorite as well. Just any quick takeaways on them? Yeah,
1: I mean, I mean. Antonio Pierce is obviously a fan favorite because he's one of the few successful linebackers that we've had over the last 20 years. Right. So, <laughs> so I mean, <laughs> let's just call it, call it a spade, a spade. If you think about the, the giants in, in the last 20 to 25 years, uh, other than Antonio Pierce, if you said name a, name a linebacker that's had success, you, you, you count on your, on your one hand and you'd say, uh, I don't think we have any other ones. So for me, you get the nostalgia, but he also is proving it in the coaching ranks. He is working under Herm Edwards. He is right. getting that experience that he needs. I mean, I would be happy with, with him coming in. You know, Pepper, Pepper Johnson is, a, is another interesting one because he's currently the linebacker coach in the XFL. Yeah. Um, he, he does have quite a bit of experience. He has been coaching for, for a bit, you know, he's, a, he's another nostalgic giants, uh, you know, hire. I, I'm fine with whoever they want to bring in. I think we have enough experience on the staff, uh, that, that it's not going to be an issue if we give one of these guys a shot, maybe a year or two earlier than, than they're expected to, um, you know, Pepper Johnson was also on the new England staff. So I believe he's got some different connections to to Joe judge, obviously, which makes things a little bit more easier when you have trust with all the coaches that you have in the room.
0: Yeah. So, you know, it'll be interesting to see if anything comes with that. I th- What I will say, and we've kind of been alluding to this throughout naming some of these additional coaches, is I-, I like where the staff has come here. I like how it's grown and taken shape. Uh, you know, I- I, we were both on board with the hiring of Jason Garrett as the offensive coordinator. Uh, certainly it looks like with Freddie Kitchens, I-, I love having Freddie Kitchens in the room. I'll be very curious to see, his ability to kind of, you know, reclaim his reputation here. Because just a year ago, it felt like he was in a much different position in terms of how people looked at him as a coach. So it's going to be exciting to see how they they develop, how these schemes develop. I'll be curious to read any type of changes or tweaks that they're going to make, especially on the defensive side of the ball, you know, scheme. They already mentioned uh, that with Graham there, there's going to be, and Judge kind of alluded to this, they want to have a blend and be running multiple defensive looks, which I think is beneficial. And it, go, it speaks to what Joe Judge has said about wanting to have, uh, you know, players that he evaluates and identifies what they do best and then puts them in position to excel at that role. So, you know, it would behoove you to say, okay, this you know we have kind of this little tandem thing where we can run not necessarily we're not going to lie up at a four three but we can put a four a fourth guy's hand in the dirt here and we want to rotate in those bigger bodies we talked about baker's development and how he was best in press, and it seemed like james betcher was I- I- incapable of allowing him to do that or putting in the pitch until the end of the year and when he got to play a little more physical at the line of scrimmage it seemed like you saw his development and growth as a cornerback so I'll be excited to see how these schemes develop on both sides of the ball and what it means for some of the players in their roles coming into this upcoming season.
1: You know, and, and to throw a a little side tangent here, one of the the vacant uh, roles and positions is still the tight end coach. And we, we mentioned it on one of our last podcasts that I have a feeling that they're just kind of leaving that open until they figure out what's happening with Jason Witten. I know that sounds kind of crazy, but, and you know, he's a, he's a lifelong Dallas Cowboy fan. I'm, I'm, I'm genuinely curious to see what Jerry does, um, knowing that he either needs to have the team, re, you know, as the general manager of the Cowboys, he needs to re-sign Jason Witten or he has to give him a front office position or do something because, he, you know, Jason Garrett and, and Jason Witten have the utmost respect for each other. I could very easily see that transition
0: happening at some point. Yeah, and it's curious too because the coaching staff in Dallas is already set. So that that I think that's a bit of the, the kink in the system as well, because they don't have a place to put him on the coaching staff. He said front office might make sense, but I think the impression that I've gotten is that Jason Witten either maybe he still wants to play, and that's one that's one element, and then also wants to go into coaching as well though. So, you know, it's he feels that, that kind of football lifer kind of guy, it's why he went to the booth and then immediately turned back around. Um, you know, issues with being a commentator aside. But you know, he he immediately went Want to get back on the field and play? He wants the camaraderie of the locker room. So whether as a player or as a coach, I think he wants to continue that. And it'll be interesting the hard struggle that that Jerry Jones had with Jason Garrett and how long it took for him to officially be like, go there. I wonder if behind the scenes they're trying to figure something out with him. And if ultimately it doesn't work out, you know, we talked about this. I would welcome him if he wanted to play a season. I don't care. I still think that that's worth it for the value of what he would bring to the locker room and to that tight ends group. And then I honestly. I'd be excited to have him come in as a head coach, as the tight ends coach. I think there'd be tremendous value and knowledge there. And you know, you and I have gone back and forth on Evan Ingram. That's a guy that I think would benefit tremendously from his presence. And that 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 alone could shift my perspective over the course of this season on Evan Ingram and what I think the Giants should be doing with him when they have that fifth-year option available to them. Because you know, this area of his game, we know he needs to develop. I mean, Jason Witten – if if you're worth anything as an NFL football player, Evan Ingram would turn himself in. He would create the rest of his body to be like his hair and just become a human sponge.
1: Well, you know, what I think is interesting is if they were to sign Jason Witten as a player, as a tight end, it talks a little bit about the scenario that you talked about before. Maybe he, does Evan Ingram become expendable? Yeah. Right? Now, now I know Jason Witten is one, one-tenth of the – athlete and route runner and and everything else in, in, at his at his current age that uh you know of evan ingram but you, you, if you believe in caden smith you think he's developing you want to bring jason Witten in at the veteran minimum to back up caden smith mm-hmm. trade off evan ingram to get some assets there's a lot of different ways that that could go if they end up considering someone like Witten.
0: yeah and then you go into the you can always go into the draft in the you know fourth fifth sixth round grab yourself another young tight end that you want to develop. And again, with, with uh, Jason Witten there, have him develop behind this veteran tight end presence. And then you look a year or two down the line and you start to really utilize your tight end position as a strength on this roster, which it hasn't been right. You think about one of the guys that we expect is going to come off the books is going to be a Rhett Ellinson and, you know, when he, when we brought him in, when Pat Shermer brought him in from Minnesota, you thought that he was going to be the stabilizing force. But with some injuries, you know, some issues there, and just really did not find himself on the field and really being as impactful as I thought he was going to be for this uh you know offensive line pass blocking run blocking schemes that pat Shermer had in place so that was kind of a swing and a miss there so i think there's an uh, there's an opportunity now for the giants to reboot the entire tight end core and maybe it does involve evan ingram leaving and possibly jason Witten coming in so unlike the fan base I'm, i'd be fine with it this is another one of those things that i feel like get some backlash on right
1: yeah i mean some people are like uh he's a he's a cowboy lifer we, we don't want this it's like Listen, I just want the I just want the Giants to improve. I want I just them want to good players. I, I just want good players. I don't I don't care. I, it doesn't matter to me. And so yeah, I, I think you you're spot on with, with Red Ellison. I think we can. I think even Red Ellison would say, yeah, this wasn't the most successful tenure. <laughs> uh, if, you, if 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 uh, if asked, you know, like you said, he, they kind of thought he was going to be the Swiss Army knife where he could kind of line up in the fullback position. He could be a great run blocker. He could, he could go out into, in, into, you know, some different routes and, and really expand everything for Eli and then Daniel Johnson. it just hasn't worked out. And so he's more yeah, of a butter knife. Yeah. More of a butter knife than a Swiss army knife. Only has <laughs> one function. Um, so, uh, so yeah, it'll, it'll be interesting to see what they do with, with the coach. And I think that also will impact, you know, which players we end up bringing in. So.
0: Yeah, and listen, we've been talking about this a little bit the last couple of episodes. We're not going to get into it here. We're going to cut this one off like an amputated limb because we have way too much to talk about. So we said we're trying to give these tight Tight podcast episodes for you uh, that you can listen to on your drive into or out of work. So this one will be up here in the afternoon on a Thursday for you guys to enjoy. We're going to come back in, as Andy alluded to, next week. We're probably going to end up doing a handful of podcasts that really focus in on these free agent targets that you can look at uh, on the 49ers as well as on the Chiefs, the two Super Bowl uh, hopefuls that'll be playing here uh, at the beginning of February so we'll probably highlight some of those options going to next week any additional coaching notes obviously we're gonna we're gonna bring that information to you as well but this is going to be a fast-paced fun off season because there's so many as you've already seen so many discussions so many options we've already we've done our highlight about draft options for the first first overall pick the first round we have kind of touched the second round so maybe feather into next week We'll start to get into some of those middle rounds, but there's just so much to do, Andy. This is a, it's a beautiful time to be podcasting New York football giants.
1: And Adam, the listeners have been imploring me to say that they want to know your Super Bowl pick too. So at some point we'll be giving our predictions. Maybe people can start putting some, some prop bets down on your recommendations. You can win some people, some cash on, on Super Bowl Sunday.
0: So. Well, let's be fair here, friend. I did a delightful job during the season. Uh, I've become an untapped resource in the uh, in the betting world for NFL football, which only means one thing, friends. Don't trust what I tell you next week when I give you my <laughs> prediction for the Super Bowl, but that'll, that will do it for us. You can look forward to my Super Bowl pick, Andy's as well, and talking all things in and around free agency as it, Uh, regards the two Super Bowl competing teams. That'll do it for us here on this episode. We'll be back in again this week in a couple of days over the weekend talking news and notes, all things New York football giants. Andy, I will see you then.
1: As always, go Big Blue.
0: You can follow Adam and Andy at One Giant Podcast on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Remember to download, rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or wherever podcasts are available. This has been One Giant Podcast.